0: Hello and welcome to the Recovering From Religion podcast. Our mission here is to offer hope, healing, and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. What follows is the audio from selected videos posted on Recovering From Religion's YouTube channel. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Alexis is a former Pentecostal and present-day author of a podcast which focuses on family estrangement called when the bow breaks she frequently speaks about estrangement or shunning in addition to childhood and indoctrination and trauma she lives in beautiful washington state with her children and she plays music whenever she can and she's also writing a new book about her experiences growing up in fundamental christian family setting alexis thank you so much and welcome
1: thank you i'm so excited to be here Oh my God! It's so I'm so excited. Like this is like the highlight, like that I've been looking forward to for a really long time. So thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's our pleasure, our pleasure so much. Um, uh, before we kind of get into your story, tell us a little bit about your the podcast when the bow breaks. Um,
1: yeah,
0: who do you have on it?
1: Well, when the bow breaks podcast was kind of born out of a lack of resources that I could find for myself. I was experiencing a form of family estrangement from my entire family, uh, as well as my church community. And I didn't even know that there was a word for that. I was like, you know, what is it called when you don't talk to your family anymore? <laughs> you know, so I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. A lot of people would say that. So, you know, I was looking for books, I was looking for this and that. So I had joined support groups and we were all looking for resources to share with each other and uh we couldn't find any podcasts, we could or we couldn't find very many things that uh weren't from the parents' perspective. And so, which is good that that that's out there, but uh, we felt like there wasn't enough. And so it just kind of got born out of a lack of resources. I was like, well, nobody else is doing this. So I guess I'm going to. <laughs> so I we started it. talking about it and uh, it was, it was a hit. Um, and I, what I mean, hit show, I don't mean like, oh, it's so entertaining. And it's like, no, there's some, you know, deep-rooted trauma that uh, our guests, uh, they pretty much bear all and are so transparent talking about their feelings and having to deal with that. And, uh, so it's pretty cool. They share what they've learned. They share what they know. Um, and so we wanted the show to be a resource, uh, which was the purpose for creating it. And I think that it has been become a resource. It has become a resource. We get a lot of mail from people saying, you know what, thank you so much for your show. It's really helping me cope with my estrangement between my dad and I or, uh, we've had guests on the show that have connected with their families, reconnected Mm. with their families because of the show. And that's something that we're always just so proud of, um, to talk about with people. So it's just, it's a good thing. So we're going to keep it going. So yeah, it's called when the bow breaks, you can listen to it at wtbbpod.com. How long have you guys been doing it? Uh, Just a couple of years. I think we launched in March, 2019. So then we kind of, when COVID hit, we were just like, you know, going on all four cylinders with it. And so we had a lot of time to spend on it. So that was great. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool for
2: doing something so helpful and beneficial to people during a time when they were probably dealing with a lot of stress from, from this kind of thing.
1: You know, I needed it too. I needed Mm -hmm. the, the community. I needed the support. I needed to talk about it myself. And, uh, it's just, it's been a win-win, I feel, yeah. for sure. Fantastic.
0: You know, well, we experience something similar in the, the support groups all the time. When people have the opportunity and have the safe space to talk about what has been bouncing around their head and kind of explore stuff with a, a friendly group of people, an empathetic group of people with no judgment, it is magic. It's complete magic with what happens. The, they're just the relief, the weight gets lifted off the, the clarity, um, kind of shows up often. It's, it, it's so awesome.
1: Yeah, it is. We see that a lot in the show too, just after we're done, it's like a lot of our guests, they've, they've become like family to us and we're in constant communication with each other. And it's just, it's, it's been like, we've grown our own family out of it, which is pretty cool. I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, would you like to kind of see the poll results from the questions that we asked? Yeah,
1: yeah, let's do that. This is going to be
0: interesting. All right. So uh, the first question, do you feel that you were raised fundamentalist uh, in a fundamentalist household? 60% of the people here said yes, and 35% said no, and only 5% weren't really sure. Mm -hmm. You know, I I can kind of relate to that. I'm not sure because as I've been exploring my uh, having grown up. I just kind of am seeing some fundamentalist evangelical type of behavior that I hadn't really identified before.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Was, I yeah. mean, <laughs> yeah. I still examine it myself. I still, yeah. you know, it's just because there's so many different sects. There's so many different denominations. There's so many different rules, yeah. so many different doctrines it's hard to kind of, and the trauma sometimes is kind of the same depend, you know, no matter where you are, you know, within that belief system. So, uh, it can also be hard to determine whether or not you grew up fundamental.
2: (laughs) Well, and also a lot of like people who we would consider to be very fundamentalist in their belief probably don't use that term to describe themselves, right? They, they would describe it as something like, you know, we're the real Christians or, or something like that, right?
1: Yeah. Or we're conservative, you know, we're, we're chill, we're laid back, we're not crazy, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't and find out
2: until later that, that you were involved in it sometimes. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And the second question was: Is it easier for to for you to believe the stories that make you feel safe? And um, only twenty nine percent folks uh, said yes. Forty two percent said no, and the remaining twenty nine percent said I'm not sure. So it's almost an even spread, but most of the folks answered no. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I find that interesting. I think if I asked myself that question at different periods in my life, it mm. probably would have had a different answer. Um, That makes sense. Yeah. Cause I, I remember struggling with my, with my faith and kind of like, no, I don't think I want to believe that. I don't like the result of that if I go there. So I'm just going to keep believing this or keep doing this. It made me feel comfortable, but you know, that only lasted so long. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 But I
2: I find that interesting. Yeah, I expect a lot of the people who are who are here this evening may have gone through that as well and maybe have specifically realized, okay, I want to make a point of examining beliefs that I have, you know, with this in mind so that I, I don't fall into that I know we've had several talks from, uh, from the fabulous Rob who's here troll stomping tonight about cognitive bias and, and logical fallacies that people probably have been trying to, to work with and recognize as well. Cause I think it is something that's so easy to fall into. If you're not watching for it, you know, yeah. you don't realize you're doing it
1: right. You don't, it's just, especially if you were raised in it, you're just kind of like, well, this is what we do. This is the mindset that we have. This is what we've been trained to think like, you mm-hmm. know, and we give our problems to God. We pray about them. We don't bug everybody else to solve our problems. Right.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know,
1: for you know, examples like that. Uh, which yeah. was definitely my experience.
3: <laughs>
0: so, Alexis, um, tell us your story. How did you um, grow up and uh, come to this, this to where you are now? I mean, uh, we oh,
1: have—I
0: don't know what, we have 22 years to do this show, <laughs> and so uh, just start from the beginning.
1: <laughs> well, I have to say, I'm at a point in my life where I can say I have had a very exciting life. (laughs) I mean, parts of it were definitely boring. Parts of it were definitely scary. Parts of it were definitely happy. Um, But I was born into a Christian family in Southern California, Los Angeles, uh, Norwalk, Lakewood, if you really want (laughs) to pinpoint. Yeah, so I grew up down there. My parents actually met in the army. Really, really, really sweet story. Uh, they were at a dance and I guess my mom had a line of guys like, you know, waiting to dance with her all night. And my dad was trying to get in there and, you know, and my mom's friend noticed and she said, that guy's been trying to dance with you. And so she's like, Oh, so I guess she asked him, I guess. And that started that. So, um, It was very uh, Hollywood love story. And then he went to Vietnam and then came back. They got married. Baby makes three, which was my older sister. And then uh, they had my older brother. And then 10 years in between, they decided to have more kids. So then they had me. So I was born 82. So my siblings are 11 and 14 years older than I. And then a younger brother, three years younger than me. So I remember my sister saying how embarrassed she was that my mom showed up to her high school graduation, eight months pregnant with, yeah. So that was, that was always a funny memory. Um, But yeah, so I grew up in LA, which is an interesting place when you took, to grow up when you call yourself a formal former fundamentalist, some people think, oh, weren't you out like in the prairie you know, like, you know, in right. dresses and without electricity. I was like, no, we were pretty modern. We didn't really stick out, um, at least not obviously. You know, like at home, we wore pants and, you know, we watched TV and we were allowed to watch some movies. Uh, we weren't allowed to go trick-or-treating. Um, I grew up very heavy into the purity culture, the purity movement that was, so, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show, I think, but, uh, so it was lots of Bible study and lots of reading. I was in church all the time, uh, every single day of the week. If I wasn't at church, we were having Bible study or prayer time at home. Um, my mom also homeschooled us and it was Bible centered. And so every single thing that we learned had to tie into the Bible. If it didn't tie into the Bible, it wasn't, we just didn't learn it. <laughs> so no sex education, very limited science. Um, it's very gender gender specific. I always have a hard time saying that word sometimes on the fly, specific, um, gender specific, Like our curriculum that we had, all the girls were in dresses, all the boys were in pants, girls had different roles than the boys. And so I grew up with, even when I was very young, I kind of already knew who I was supposed to be, according to my family and my church and my schoolwork. And so I had all of these external forces, you know, saying, this is how we live. This is how you need to live. And this is what we expect from you. This is what God expects from you. And if you do all these things and, you know, God's going to bless you and he's going to take you to heaven with him, where you can be a part of his family. I went to Sunday school, learned all these fun Bible stories, and some of them were kind of creepy, Like when Cain killed his brother, Abel, I thought that was kind of scary when I was little. That's kind of a traumatic story to hear when you're very, very small. So I'm starting, as I'm growing up, I'm starting to notice that there's these kind of like offsets of discomfort and stories that aren't so happy. And it's like, okay, I was taught that this is all, you know, good and beautiful, but why is there so much? bad stuff in the Bible. So I really, you know, became kind of obsessed at a very young age with Bible studies. Um, And so I studied and I studied, I learned Bible verses uh, for church and for school and at home. I was constantly studying, which is why I I think I kind of label myself as a former fundamentalist because it wasn't just on Sundays. It was every day of the week. And uh, that was all I did. If I got a job, it was at the church, it was babysitting the children or it was cleaning or it was doing receptionist work. It was never pastoral work. You know, you had to, you know, if you were female in some of the churches that I was in, you couldn't be on staff. You had to be married to someone who was on Mm -hmm. staff. So I dealt with a lot of that. Um I don't want I want to give you a break so you can kind of you know ask any other questions. If at any point any one of you has a question to ask me and just stop me that's totally fine. I'm used to it. But um did so you, yeah.
0: Did you watch that left behind movie? Oh my god. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, the movies, the audiobooks like on, oh ho- on on our way home from vacation it was like 12 hours and just yeah. I mean, I'm all of that stuff. Of <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I remember seeing a movie called Distant Thunder. Oh, Has yeah. anybody ever seen that one? That was like 1970s. Um, yes. Wow. Yeah. Distant Thunder was all about the mark of the beast. And that scared the shit out of me. Oh, yeah. I was very, very scared. They had us watch that when I was very young. Um, things about earthquakes and all of this scary stuff that was supposed to happen at the end of the world, which was coming very, very, very soon. And um, to sit in church on a Sunday, hearing your pastor say this, like you're scared to go home. You're scared to leave your church. Like you feel right. safe there because you think that's where God dwells and that's where you come to worship him and that he's going to protect you. And so I remember being terrified sometimes on the car rides home from church service, uh, shaking and crying. And uh my parents not really seeming to pay attention. And my older brother, he's he's a teenager, you know, so he's kind of giving me a hard time, what's the matter? It's like the pastor said there's going to be a huge earthquake and he's like well there is ah, and i just started crying more and it just made me more upset he's just laughing you know just being his teenage self my brother was a great older brother he really was but uh you know he did tease me a, a little bit but i was uh, very traumatized by all of that talk um they had us pu- they had us pulled out of sunday school in order to hear these uh messages which I know as a parent now that's very inappropriate um, to sit there and scare children like that yeah. for something, you know, that well, now I can say doesn't even exist, but, uh, you know, it was very, very scary. And so I grew up with uh, chronic nightmares and physical problems, um, autoimmune problems, all these kinds of physical things. And my mother was always taking me to church more and more and more to have me get prayed over uh, things like that, uh, by strangers, people putting their hands on me and yelling in loud languages I'd never heard of. And it was very scary as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I just became an adult, I just said, you know, I don't want my kids, uh, being a part of this. I don't, I think it's damaging. Um, So yeah, that's, that's kind of like in a nutshell of kind of what I experienced, I remember them taking the clock off of the wall, one Sunday morning, so that that way no one would be distracted the pastor had everyone take their watches off so they wouldn't be worried about what time it was. And we'd already been to church like three, four hours. We were starting to get, you know, kind of hungry and cranky yeah. and wanted our football and our afternoon nap, you know, like normal people. But we had to sit there and listen to, you know, hellfire, brimstone messages and um, and then try and sleep <laughs> later wow. after that. So, yeah, what, that um, was What particular
0: <laughs> brand of Christianity was this?
1: Well, I have to say it was a. Uh, it was a mixture of different things. I feel like when my parents would exhaust one uh, denomination, they would move on to something else. Mm -hmm. So when I was young, I think really little, like toddler age, I think we were attending an assembly of God church, Mm -hmm. AOG. And then I think uh, from the time I was about six, five or six till I was about nine, we attended a Pentecostal church. And that was the scariest, I think, for me personally. Uh, but I still suffered a lot of abuse in the church that I attended after that, uh, different kinds of abuse. But at this church, it was just a lot of um, people speaking in tongues, a lot of slaying in the Holy Spirit, things like that. But there was also a lot of bullying going on. I was definitely bullied a lot. It was very small, I'd be tossed around by the kids in church. And I just remember them just, you know, no adults around just, you know, me being thrown everywhere and saying, no, please stop. Oh yeah. I was very, very small, like very little. I mean, I'm still small. I'm like five, three. I'm just like little, but yeah, I think I wore like two T clothes till I was about five or six. I was very, very small. And so they used to just, Oh, look how cute, you know, it's just like a little doll. Cause you know, they had these really poofy dresses that they would dress me up in, but uh, my family played music. We were all musicians. And so we would play music at church. And so there were always kids that didn't really like me or my family. Cause my mom said it was because they were jealous and things like that. But uh, yeah, I didn't really have any friends at that church at all. And I remember feeling very alone there. Um, But I wanted this love that they said existed.
3: You know what it's like to journey out of a once cherished belief. Maybe you were devoutly religious, escaped a cult, or perhaps you simply navigated out of some very difficult days. And now you'd like to help someone else do the same. Recovering from Religion is a wonderful support organization for people who feel confused, troubled, and alone as they come to grips with the possibility that they no longer hold a religious belief or that they risk losing everything if they're honest with themselves and others about their journeys. These people need our help and Recovering from Religion needs yours. RFR is seeking volunteers. Perhaps you're formerly religious, Or you have a specific skill set like speaking a foreign language. Maybe you're just a good listening ear. The RFR volunteer training program will help you translate those abilities into critical assistance, encouragement, and support for the men, women, and youth who contact RFR every day from all over the world. You can relate. You can understand. And you can make their journeys easier. Join the team at Recovering From Religion and remind someone else that they are not alone and someone is here to help. To find out more, click the Volunteer tab at recoveringfromreligion.org. And so I remember when I was seven years old,
1: I remember this church service we had, it was an evening service. And I remember it was my birthday and I'd had a really lousy day. Like nobody said birth, happy birthday to me. Like it was that kind of birthday where I just felt like forgotten. And, uh, I remember praying to God and asking, you know, I just, I wanted to feel like I was loved. And so I, I guess you could say that was when I accepted Jesus into my heart. Like they taught me in Sunday school to do. And from then on, I worked really, really hard at my Bible studies. I worked hard at being a good kid. I worked hard at trying to dress appropriately and trying to keep my parents happy and not irritating them, which Seemed very very difficult. I was very confused and not sure how to, not quite sure how to do that. Um, But uh, I struggled a lot. I worked really hard at Christianity, and I studied a lot. I participated in drills and competitions, and I had friends. We grew up together and doing the same thing. Our families were very much the same way, and competing with Bible studies and knowledge and all that kind of stuff. And um, I was immersed in it.
0: I remember the Bible drill stuff. Oh, oh my, my goodness.
1: Oh, yeah. And people that. used to oh. cheat. They used to put their finger in the Bible. And I was like, no, uh, no, that's got to be completely uh, close. And, like, uh, you know, yeah, that was great. Uh, <laughs> I, kicked no, I, that. I kicked ass. I kicked ass during, you? oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was one of the, I mean, I was the competition. Like, that's what it was. I was the competition because I was homeschooled. So I had all the time to study. You know more time than all my friends, and I wasn't allowed to do all the things they were doing. So I had even more time to study. <laughs> so it was it was like that.
0: So yeah. quick, um, what was uh, what's the Bible drill? Kind of explain
1: that. Uh, okay, this that is experience. fun.
0: Experience. Yeah. Okay.
1: So a Bible Ter- drill. Ter- Ter- that what, you, what you
0: were going to ask him? Yeah, so that's
1: sorry. what I was going to ask. I, okay, I know cool. what it
2: is, but I know there are people in the chat who don't.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you for stopping me. Okay, a Bible drill is basically you hold your Bible up uh what is it <laughs> what book and down and yeah. they your Let's teacher whoever right will shout a look at look at okay i'll shout a reference okay uh psalms one e- 124 verse six and then she's gotta hurry up and get to where it is in the bible and yeah she's probably got it she looks like she's actually gone it. it's like right in the middle somewhere <laughs> but yeah um so we used to do that in sunday school and compete with other kids and you know we were memorizing huge past passages of scripture like paragraphs and paragraphs and so yeah i grew up hearing a lot of the bible so uh that's I think one reason why I became an atheist later on <laughs> because I actually read so much of it that I think I understood it for what it actually was and I realized I just didn't want to do that anymore. Um, so that you know, we're kind of skipping a few a few steps here. but uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, and that's such an interesting point, too, that you bring up, you know, we hear from a lot of people who talk about how, oh, yeah, you know, I just really enjoyed the community of being at church and I was so happy and it made me feel so good all the time, but I know what you're describing in more of a fundamentalist upbringing it's not just sunshine and roses. You're reading
1: the scary parts of the Old Testament. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so super scary. I had these nightmares. I had terrible nightmares up until I was just, till I left the church, essentially. Uh, vivid nightmares where I could feel pain. I could feel my oh, skin burning oh my off gosh. in hell. Oh. I could feel everything. And I, I talked about this years later in counseling, say, but it was just a dream. It was just a dream. And she said, but did you feel it? You had an experience. That's all that matters. And it's affected you. And so, yes, I have uh, physical problems from sleep deprivation, years of sleep deprivation, because I was too afraid to go to sleep. Uh, And getting into all of that by the time I was in my teens, uh, it was so heavily indoctrinated and kind of neglected by my family. Um, felt very alone. I was getting depressed. I would beg my mom to take me to counseling, which she was very apprehensive about, unless it was Christian counseling, but Christian counseling isn't covered by insurance. So it's very expensive. Mm. And so I didn't get counseling. And uh, so I struggled. And instead of my mother bringing me to counseling, she would bring me to these uh, revival services and uh, where I would be prayed over and essentially having an exorcism performed on me. um, I have had preachers try to convince me that I was suicidal and to try to pray a suicidal evil spirit out of me. Uh, which was very awkward when you're 15 and everyone's looking at you and staring at you and has their hands on you and you're expect they're saying you have a demon inside of you. You're like, go for it. I don't know. Like, I don't feel like that. Maybe I don't, you know, like I don't know what's like. I just stood there. I froze. I didn't know what to say. I, 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 my mother brought me there, so I didn't feel like I could just, you know, run. And, well, and I, if I you did they'd
2: yeah. probably say it was the demon. It was
1: the demon. Yeah, it was just common <laughs> sense. I didn't feel safe here. I didn't feel comfortable. You know, I wanted to go out the movies with my friends. That's where they were. Uh, you know, I just yeah. wanted to be a normal <laughs> teenager. And I wanted a little bit of empathy and attention, I think uh, cause my parents' marriage was a little bit rocky during that time. Um, but I, I won't go into too, too much detail about that, but yeah.
0: <laughs> I remember there was a girl that I really liked and, uh, wanted to kind of be around her and her father was a, uh, was a pastor. Um, he never seemed to have a successful church, but he was a pastor and very evangelical. And, um, so I went over to their house one time and they were having a Bible study and they, he asked me, Hey, can we lay our hands on you and pray for you? And I, I was a weird I it was I'm just standing there with my eyes open kind of looking at these people touching me just felt so I can't even imagine what it would be like for a woman but for me it was just super uncomfortable and I would imagine like that's double or triple or
1: oh gosh four yeah. times as
0: much oh I wow. grew up
1: with that and then it was like when I became a young woman and then it was like, you get all these random men saying, oh, God's asking me to pray for you. I'm like, you're just looking for an excuse to put your hands on me. It ain't going to happen, oh, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah, it was stuff like that. Totally gross. Totally. You happened all the time. And um, as when I was a young minister, especially when I was uh Worship pastoring, because that was, I don't know, people go crazy for musicians, I guess. But right? I'm dating a drummer. So pastoring? yes, I was a worship pastor for several years. I kind of got my start in high school. Uh that's when I started worship leading, which I was surprised they were gonna let a female, but I guess there was no one else to do it. So when there's no other decent men around to do the job, they're gonna take a look at this girl who's been playing music for a while and knows how to sing. So Uh, I started leading worship when I was in high school and I carried that up all the way until I left the church in my Mm. thirties. And uh, that was my main thing. Um, If it wasn't children's ministries, it was music ministries or multimedia, things like that. Wow. Uh, So you were
0: uh, as a, as a uh, teenager and and, um, as a kid, you were homeschooled, so you were around your family the whole time. You were mm-hmm. at church three, four, five days a week, um, and you didn't have the opportunity to even find friends outside of your home or outside of your church. And mm-hmm. you're being bullied at church. Like it felt like if, if I was in your shoes, the only safe place for me was my room. Did you get to have a room of your own, or did you share that too?
1: Well, that's the thing. Uh, there's a whole story about how my room just became this not safe place. While well, my parents were at a teacher's meeting at church one night, and my brother was left to babysit. And at that time, my brother was struggling with some things, uh, was having a hard time, was left to babysit me, didn't want to babysit me, wanted to go off with his friends and do things with his friends. Uh, you know, he was just itching to do and, uh, he was, uh, he wanted to put me to bed early so that he could leave the house and he didn't want to feed me dinner. So I guess I was seven years old. I put up a fight. Now you have to get me dinner. Rah! You know, I was the annoying little sister for sure. I was the annoying little sister, but I was cute. So I was used to getting away with it. And I was really pissed off that my brother was like, no, I'm not feeding you dinner. Go to bed. And uh, I just kind of stomped my feet and Refuse, and I was like, "No, I, I, I'm hungry. Like, I would like my dinner, and then I'll go to bed. I promise, you know." And it just kind of escalated from there, and it just went from, you know, me asking my brother for dinner to him throwing things at me, yelling at me. Um, so I find a telephone book and I call all the Sunday school teachers because that's where my parents were at. There was no cell phones. I didn't know what else to do. And I and we were kind of afraid of the police at the time because homeschooling wasn't exactly acceptable. And so we were made to fear a oh, CPS and the police so that we wouldn't tell on our parents that they were homeschooling us. We weren't even supposed to let people know we were being homeschooled outside of the church. Uh, and so I called all these Sunday school teachers who were all at the teachers meeting. And I left a few messages saying, you know, my brother is scaring me, he's doing always mean things. I didn't really know how to articulate that. And I didn't know who to ask for help. And, uh, that was really scary for me, but the scariest thing was walking to church the next Sunday. And my mom had fi- found out what happened and just kind of, uh, swept it all under the rug. You know, mm. she knew my brother had had some problems, um, but didn't want anyone to know. And, um, So I get to church and basically at seven years old had a receiving line of of people, pastors and Sunday school teachers, everyone I called left a message asking for help, telling me that I had lied and that I had embarrassed my mother and that I had done something terribly wrong. My brother could have gone to jail and they publicly shamed me. They had me wear my prettiest dress. I remember my mom had me wear my nicest dress to church. I remember coming into the church and it was like darker than usual. Like no one was there yet. I was like, this is odd. I remember someone was standing next to me somebody that I knew, but I couldn't remember who it was just standing there kind of supervising while well, one by one, everyone uh, pretty much uh, victim shamed me and blamed me for what had happened. Oh and um, and then uh, the, the really scary part was about a year and a half later, uh, my mom started neglecting me during that time, started, stop taking care of me. Uh, She was really embarrassed by what I had done and uh, wasn't allowed to talk on the phone, wasn't allowed to go out. I wasn't allowed to go anywhere except for church uh, or talk to my brother's drug dealer who used to talk to me, you know, very inappropriately on the phone. Uh, But she would always have me answer for him with this guy asking me when I would be ready to go on a date with him. Uh, I was seven seven years old. I was seven years old sitting there, you know, Alexis. Yeah, it was awful. And like, so like fundamentalist, this is like church plus how my mother was. Um, It's very hard to talk about these things because I love my mother. And Mm -hmm. my mother is not an all, you know, she's not an all bad person at all. She's actually really sweet. She's really fun to you know talk with and hang out with. But um, these were some issues. These were these. This was just something that happened and it affected me. And uh, the scariest things after my mom had spent all that time kind of neglecting me and just ignoring me, um, me being you know taking care of myself. Uh, the church crowned her mother of the year,
0: <laughs> that year? Uh, in
1: church. Uh, it was about a year and a half later, but my mom, she really just stopped taking care of me around that age. Uh, it was kind of her way of scapegoating me, uh, I guess. So we had a lot of the narcissistic abuse intermixed with the Christianity stuff too. So it was a very, very difficult and confusing place to grow up in. And you just, you're like, am I ever going to feel safe? you know, I didn't know, I I didn't understand how the only people that I knew just didn't really seem to care. And so then, you know, high school, I get the depression, but I'm still like, oh, I just got to strive for God more. I just have to read my Bible more. I have to pray more. So I did Mm. this. I did this. I did this. I hung around with only Christian friends, only choosing Christian friends for myself when I was a young adult, because I was trying so hard to surround myself with. Uh, Christian people so that I could stay focused and, you know, not really think about, you know, all these thoughts that I have about boys and about girls and I'm uh, not supposed to have those thoughts, you know, so there's all these kinds of things going in- on in my head. And uh, by the time I was married with four kids, it all came crashing down. <laughs> and that was when I realized like something's wrong here and I can't do this anymore.
2: Yeah. Do you want to talk about it all? What what sure. triggered that everything crashing down?
1: Um well, it started when I went to secular counseling, which was a big no-no. Uh, but I had been depressed for a very long time. I just didn't really realize it because you're not supposed to have a spirit of depression on you as a Christian. No, That's you have the joy satanic. of the satanic. Yeah, you're supposed to have the joy <laughs> of the Lord. And I'd never experienced that. Um Not really. And so I'd gone to counseling and I just, I was basically going to counseling, asking my counselor, you know, I, I I must be crazy. I'm some type of crazy. Can you just find out what type of crazy I am and give me some pill for it or help me. And, uh, he's like, well, let's just slow down. You know, let's just talk. Can you just share with me some things that bug you, you know, let's just, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. So (laughs) Long story short, spent the first year just validating all these horrible things that had happened to me that I kind of suppressed. And also the fact that I I couldn't seem to establish healthy boundaries with anyone. I wasn't ever allowed to do that. I uh, had to obey my parents, I had to obey anyone older than me, any man. Uh, whether he was older than me or not, any pastor. And I was just like, okay, but I, I can't be responsible for myself. I can't pay attention to myself. I have to take care of everyone else and raise the children and tend to my husband's needs and make sure he has everything that he needs. And any holes that the church has, I have to be the one to fill them because I know I can. And that was just my whole attitude. And I was overwhelmed and it was like I started setting boundaries with people in the church and people in my family and they didn't really like that very much and so I kept saying my counselor nothing's working this stuff isn't working it's just they keep they're not listening they don't understand that these things bother me and he's like okay well how long are you going to let them treat you like this Mm -hmm. and I was like "Ooh, yeah
0: speaking with this counselor, was it kind of like the first time you got an idea about boundaries even? And yes. how to create them.
1: and funny thing too. I actually, this is really, really funny. This is going to be great. Okay. What really helped me? I'm not going to lie. Was a Christian book called boundaries by <laughs> cloud and Townsend. And I'm only, I'm only saying this because this is true because it was a Christian book and I allowed myself to read it. So I read this book, That was supposed to help me establish healthy boundaries for myself and with other people in my life in the workplace and this and this but i realize christians don't like boundaries very much they don't like it especially if it doesn't line up biblically with what you know they think you know things should go and if you're a
2: female person then probably you're not supposed to be enforcing those kinds of things exactly
1: yeah you're not supposed to say sure you're not supposed to say anything you're supposed to sit there look pretty do what they ask you to do and you know wear a dress you know and like literally I I I kind of felt like I was brought up to be some sort of idol or, or um I don't want to even say sex symbol but that's what I felt like. Uh, I'd been sexually harassed in high school by this one guy. I write about it in my book. Um, For years, he sexually harassed me, but he was the spotlight guy. He was a sound guy. I had to look at him every week, knowing that he was staring at me. And uh, it it was, it was just ugly. And, um, and so I just, I realized this isn't working. And, at the same time, I was, I was uh, using these relationships, you know, with my mom, my dad, but I was also thinking about my relationship with God. And I'm like, this seems very one-sided. And I was like, I'm not really hearing from God and I'm not really seeing the things I'm supposed to be seeing. And I don't really know if I can worship a God that is so violent and destructive and is okay with, terrorizing small children and in Sunday school where you're supposed to be congregating and playing games and, and yeah, whatever cute little stories, whatever, but it's all BS. It's, I mean, I studied so much of it. I'm getting a little bit, I'm trailing off here a little bit, but I just, I got to a point where just gradually over time, I was just like, I don't want this. This hurts this is painful this mm. has done nothing for me and it's a toxic environment and i'm not going to raise my family in it anymore mm. but that was a tricky thing to, to say because i was married to a christian man and mm. i'm like there's no way i'm just going to drag him out of his faith i didn't feel like i had the right to do that i mm. felt like every person has their own personal journey that they have to go through and i wasn't going to expect him to do that but i basically to- basically told him i'm not going to church uh unless i actually feel like it you know it's like mm-hmm. i'm not i don't want a job in this i don't want uh, any of it um i'm burnt out and exhausted from doing this mm-hmm. my entire life since i was two years old i was singing on the stage in church uh, and
0: like uh how you said <laughs> that you were you you recognize you were burnt out and yes. you were exhausted.
1: Oh yeah, was, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know how to parent my kids uh, other than spanking them because that's what I was taught. Right. If I didn't learn and if I didn't listen to my parents, they shouted at me and spanked me. And I didn't want to do that because I had grown up with in that. And I was like, you know, there were plenty of times my parents just could have asked me nicely. I would have done it. You know, I would have just, you know, but I was very ADD. I was very forgetful. And uh, so I had those struggles. And of course they didn't believe in taking you to the doctor for things like that. Uh, You know, if you had, you know, if you needed medication, they didn't want that. They just thought you needed more prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so it's just, I, I just couldn't do it anymore, and I, I just in the way that I was raising my kids I saw I had flashbacks of myself going through that, and that's when I was like, Okay, we're done. I get it now all of these memories that are coming up. I need these because I'm a mother, and I need to protect my kids, and this can't happen anymore. So went to counseling, got out all the bullshit, joined support groups, separated from the church, which wasn't very easy. Uh, When you spent every day there, you went to school there, you did your homework there, you had your friends there, you did fun stuff there, you went to, you know, your whole life was centered around that, your marriage, everything. Um, And then what else is there? you know, you're and, like, and, oh, and then not only
0: that, but do. <laughs> you, you were sharing, like you had a, this world outside of the home and outside of the church was scary. It was dangerous. Mm-hmm. It was yep. incredibly threatening to step outside of. Yeah. The Colleges satanic were area.
1: satanic. Uh, cops were bad. I still, I I still am very afraid of cops. I get very, very nervous. A cop pulled a gun on my brother once, like I grew up in LA. So that's probably why, you know, it's probably a big reason why, but Uh, I have a lot of anxiety about uh, social workers of any kind. I work with them a lot now, though, regularly. So that's been helping me very, very much uh, in that area, overcoming these fears that I had been taught all my life. You can't trust these people. You cannot trust people outside of the church. You can't trust people in that church. You can't trust people in this church. This is the church you trust. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was very much like that. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was my parents who really had to say, and uh, even after I was married and uh, so walking away, putting that degree of separation between my family and I uh, was very difficult. Uh, it was very embarrassing for them, I think, mm-hmm. uh, to have a prodigal daughter, uh, which is basically what people were labeling, labeling me as. Um, when I walked away from the church and my family, I had several people who I hadn't seen since that day when I was seven years old, uh, being told that what I had done was a really bad thing, uh, when I had called and basically told on my brother, uh, that he kind of flew off the handle, which could have been solved, you know, civilly, you know, um, instead of entirely swept under the rug but uh, I can't remember where I was getting at, but uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I just didn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. So,
2: oh, sorry. Go ahead, Eric.
0: Nope. Nope. Go ahead.
2: No, well, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I can completely understand that at that point in time, it, it almost did sound like this was a repeat of, you know, when your parents were so mad at you for speaking out when you were seven years old. And now here it is happening again. When yes. You were in your 30s.
1: Yes. Yes. And that was very weird to all of a sudden, because I, I kept thinking, why are they going to treat me like I'm an adult? You know, and, and I was always being told what to do by everybody. And they kept saying, oh, you're just a strong willed person. I'm like, no, I've been trying to be an individual and I'm not allowed. And that's, what's really, you know, twisting my panties because, you know, I was just really irritated and I just wanted some space. I didn't want to freak out every morning while I was picking out a pair of shoes because it was immodest or uncomfortable oh or impractical. Gosh. Oh yeah. I had huge panic attacks I, you, with my wardrobe. Oh yeah. Things. Uh, my wardrobe used to trigger me. I, I didn't know what to wear. Um, you know, I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could dress sexy, even if I felt like I wanted to, or if I wanted to dress in flannel, then it was like, I had a label on me. It just didn't matter. It just, it really bothered me. It took a lot of years of just kind of, uh, talking myself things and being gentle with myself and questioning where these feelings and these fears are coming from. And then I would talk about it in counseling and I was putting things together and it's like, okay, well, that's why I don't like hairspray because my sister used to rip my hair out of my head on Sunday mornings before we would be going to church. and be Aquanet and it'd be teasing my hair and it'd be the curling iron burning my head and just all these like sad associations with church that I had and not knowing why hairspray always made me so sick and I couldn't figure it out for years. And once I figured out what was was making me sick it was just the memory that i was trying not was suppressing even though i i remembered it but i wasn't really thinking about it you know didn't really want to remember how i felt and uh which which is difficult to you have to go back and remember how you felt and why you felt that way and uh that's what kind of shows you what was wrong in all those situations um yeah. if you've grown up in a you know cult or you know supreme uh religious group I guess <laughs> so yeah well, your parents
0: uh, this... didn't I'm oh, sorry go ahead Karen no
2: no your
1: turn go
0: <laughs> <laughs> so your parents didn't or your mom especially didn't seem to be taking this too well is this kind of when the estrangement began to happen
1: yeah I mean everything kind of happened at the same time I felt like I was becoming the person who I wanted to be or who I was naturally. And I felt like the person who I was naturally would never, ever like be subjected to that kind of environment, mm. like in church or in toxic relationships. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't think it's okay for you guys to gaslight me and pretend like none of this ever happened. I don't think it's appropriate for you to lie to me. I don't think it's appropriate for you to say that you're going to babysit my kids and then leave them locked in a room all day by themselves, you know, things like that, just a lot of things that were uh, inconsistent with the way that I was and my belief system. I realized I was more liberal than I thought I was. And uh, so it was like my estrangement began with my family. I left the church. My marriage was ending. It was just like all of these things happening. It was literally I thought I was like, oh, God, this is what I wanted. I really wanted this. And, uh, it was, it was hard. I was very depressed. I went through a lot of grief, but I felt like I still felt like I can't go back there. Like I cannot, if I go back there, I'm dead, spiritually dead or physically dead, whatever. I can't go back there. It's, Mm -hmm. it's too scary for me. It makes no sense to me. It doesn't add up for me. And, uh, yeah, separation was very, very, very hard. And that's when my podcast about estrangement was born kind of out of that. And I had no contact with my parents while I was making that show uh, at all. My, I guess a family member actually found my show and showed it to my mother. And uh, she was very upset at first, but I just kept, but she wouldn't listen to it. Like my the family member said, oh, so and so alexis did this podcast and she's telling all the family shit and like don't listen to it but don't listen to it and i'm like oh right yeah like my mom's not gonna listen to it
0: well you know uh, an actual (laughs) mother of the year would listen to a show that their child created of course
1: i looked at my stats i think she has listened to a couple (laughs) but not the entire you know catalog uh but yeah because i talk about some hard stuff but i don't talk about it with the intent of just being mean about how you know what a terrible childhood i had because it wasn't it wasn't all terrible some of it
2: was
0: we played she was going alexis alexis you're going really, really great and
1: us. fun but oh, yeah. man the bad stuff just you know overwhelmed me and i just couldn't do it anymore uh i think my internet is uh giving me issues here <laughs> yeah
2: it's just a little bit of a a is, blip is, I this, can is hear that better,
3: better?
1: yeah a
0: little bit uh your video is a little bit stuttery but uh you're, you're, you're yeah breaking fine. up just
1: a little bit okay okay <laughs>
0: So you also had kids when you were going through this too, Alexis. Um, wh- how did that affect kind of uh, raising them and and co-parenting them, or uh, if you feel comfortable talking about that at all? Oh
1: no! <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You didn't work because that was done on me. So I was like, okay, this is done. We're not yelling at the kids anymore. Um, no, we're and we have that was easier said than done. I needed to go to counseling for that too, but uh, because that was just how I was raised, I didn't know what else to do. You didn't, you know, it's just like the Bible, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child, you know, just whack him, then you're done. It's like, no, that's not how you teach a child. <laughs> and uh so i had to stop doing that and then i had to incorporate other things so i you know i was reading parenting books i was talking to my counselor i had to also work on my relationship with myself because i realized i wasn't being very gentle with myself and so once i started being gentle with myself and learning how to kind of parent myself Mm. in the way that i felt safe and comfortable i was like okay I think I can do this with my kids. And so it was a really beautiful thing actually because I, I felt like all but abandoned by my children or by my parents emotionally growing up as a child. Uh, and so I felt like I lacked a lot of parenting. I felt like I lacked a lot of nurturing and things like that. I had a lot of indoctrination and a lot of conditioning, a lot of rules, Mm -hmm. uh, but not a whole lot of nurturing, not a whole lot of understanding, not a whole lot of uh, personal self-development. And so, and I could see in my kids that they were struggling in, in, in those ways too. And so, especially with my older two, I kind of had to work hard to kind of undo some things with them because They saw different parents than, you know, my two younger children, they really don't have very many memories of church, which I'm very thankful for. Um, they do have memories of the Unitarian Church that we attend uh every now and then. Uh the pastor is an atheist there. So I feel quite comfortable. <laughs> oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, how that, yeah.
2: How did that come about?
1: Um, well, it was actually funny because I was talking with my co-host, uh podcast co-host AC Fisher, who's actually a former boyfriend of mine. Uh it, w- it was Easter, and we we're like, gosh, what do we? what do like heathens do on Easter? <laughs> it's like, what do we do? So we're like, used to having this huge service that lasts all day. And then like a huge play at the end of the day, what do we do? Like, so we just decided, well, I don't know. It just feels funny not to go to church, but, you know, we didn't really want to go to the Christian church. We went there and we, it was like, you're know, just for fun we're like we're atheists now but like hey let's go and let's see you know if anything happens we're like no we don't like this so we went to the unitarian church that we just kind of found in town and we loved it it's like yeah it's like if you're christian you know jewish muslim uh you know indigenous whatever uh atheists it, they accept everybody um it's it's pretty cool and so that's always that's been like really interesting to, to attend there, but they don't have a, my younger kids don't have a lot of memories of, of church. Like my older ones do. Um, I was talking to my son, he's 12. And, uh, I said, what did you think about growing up in the church? And he's like, I always knew it was bullshit, mom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so what you're um, what you're referring to when you say universalist, to the Unitarian universalist churches.
1: Yes. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. You, you know, do take some time to do some research. Some people think it's weird. Some people think it's Mm -hmm. interesting, but I feel like it's the closest thing to a church there is where I feel safe and accepted and, uh, and loved for who I am. And, uh, I can still intermingle with, uh, with my fellow humans that believe what I used to believe because we're not there with the intent of attacking one another. We're there with the intent of, Communing with one with, with one another and spending time with each other, and you know, going off into our own, you know, you know, when the day is done, um, it's it's nice. I have to say. Well, so, so you yeah. were in your
0: <laughs> um, uh, early thirties. It sounds like when you started to kind of deconstruct what you uh, were raised with and kind of reexamine and even mm-hmm. begin to discover who you actually were. Um, What was the fallout from that, all of that? Like, are you better because of it? Do you you feel like, or did you lose more than you gained?
1: Well, at first I felt like I lost everything. I felt like I didn't know who I was. I, I, again, yeah. You take all that stuff away and you're like, I have this body. I have these children. I have this house that was all I knew outside of the church. I didn't even know my neighbors, really. I didn't have friends outside of the church. I never went anywhere. You know, the the relationship with my husband, that's a whole other thing. You know, I didn't really have money or anything like that to go out and do things. And so uh, when I left the church, you know, it's all gone. You feel like, oh, God, what did I do? You know, you just knew you didn't want that anymore. And what? And so uh it was my birthday one year and uh I I decided well I
0: I Oh, I, your in- internet's playing games with us again.
1: I remembered I like painting. So maybe I'll go to Oh no. And you were just supposed to think about your heart and what's in it and what it's like. I know my internet connection is unstable.
2: <laughs> yeah. You just came back on Let's and I think we missed the whole story. Okay.
1: Do you think that anybody else know, is
2: using yeah. the internet
0: okay. over there? And maybe that's kind of affecting it. Like
1: I'm that. not sure. Like, I think it's just, I think it's just mine. Okay. Um, Let me shut the wi-fi off my phone let's see if that helps um let me see here wi-fi is body (laughs) just make a little note for uh my tech in the next room uh my boyfriend in there and see if he can check that and see if he can improve that uh but uh anyway i went to a painting class i don't know if my uh, Voice is any better? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Okay, now. great. Okay, great.
0: I think I w- the the last thing that we might have heard is where you were kind of discovering yourself, and you found you liked the color pink. Is that right?
1: Oh no, I I remembered I liked to paint when I was okay. younger, and so I went to a painting class that ended up being a, an emotional healing painting class, and I didn't know that at the time. I was like, this is funny. <laughs> So, and the message was all about the heart and you were just supposed to examine your own heart, find out what's in it, what makes it happy, what makes it feel full. And uh, so it wasn't just paint. It was like little strings and like glitter and like all these little tangible things you can really touch and like put on there and just to add texture and I was having fun with it. I was like letting out my inner child, putting little handprints on everything. And you know, and I knew I wasn't going to get yelled at, you know, just (laughs) this playing and having a good time. And I realized that all of these things that I loved all of my life singing, playing music, all these things were so wrapped up in the church. And I was like, but they're not in the church. I don't have to go to the church to have those things. They're here. They're here, right in here. I just have to figure out a way to get them out of there mm-hmm. and like express them this way. And so that one little painting class that I took taught me a lot. I think I left my painting home with my kids, my older kids. They're with their dad right now. And I think I left the painting behind for them to watch me go through that. My older
3: kids.
1: And um, they so they kind of watched me go through that. And um, so I kind of left the painting there so they could look at it and just, you know, remember that you have those things in your heart. Sometimes they're buried, sometimes they're distorted, sometimes you just don't have time to look. And uh, so I took the time to look and I stopped. Uh, I quit my job at the church and, um, uh, left my husband, uh, that happened too. And for the first time in my life, I was on my own. I'd never really experienced that. Uh, And so that was a new thing. So just every, every day, little by little, I learned what I liked. I, I was scared to leave my house because I wasn't used to going out very much. And so, you know, mingling with other people, that was something that was always very awkward at. I'm also on the spectrum too. So that you know, a little bit of social awkwardness there anyways. So, you know, and, um, just meeting new people and things like that really helped me. And I, I came to find out that there really are good people in the world. And it's, it's actually a lot more scary in church than it is outside of church, even with all of this other stuff going on, you know, pandemics and civil rights stuff. Um, there's a lot of scary things in the world that are legit, you know, uh, real, but there's also a lot of joy and you can create those things for yourself. And so I've just been working on creating a safe space for myself and for my kids. And, uh, I've found joy in that. And, uh, so yeah, lots of healing has, has taken place. Yeah. If you like to paint, do it, do a heart (laughs) painting and find out what's in there and play around with it. And uh, don't judge yourself too harshly.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love that you were able to find expression through doing the artistic and creative things that that you had liked in a new way. Yeah. And, yeah, that must have been such a relief to realize that you could still have those parts of your yourself, but just not in the church.
1: Right, especially when it came to music and singing. I was limited to singing in church and performing in plays in church. I wasn't allowed to, I I passed up an opportunity to play a role in meet me in St. Louis because they had rehearsals on church nights. So I couldn't go and, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, so growing up in that, when, you know when all you sing or when all you sang are like gospel songs and you're listening to pop music for the first time and you almost feel kind of a little dirty because you've never been allowed <laughs> to before but then it's like you start singing it and you just go with it and you just you start learning oh i love this stuff it's so much fun it's like why couldn't this have been you know fun it's like Oh, it's just, I'm just, I'm discovering more music and, uh, I've had more opportunities to sing recently, which has been so cool. Um, but for a long time, it was very sad for me to play music, uh, when I left the church, because every time I sang, I had memories of being in church and it was a very, very bittersweet thing for a very long time. I couldn't sing. I couldn't sing publicly. I think the last time I sang publicly or was asked to sing publicly, I think I flaked out. Uh, It was right after I left the church and I just, I couldn't do it. And um, only just been this summer, I've started singing publicly again and oh my goodness, it's been a blast. It's just been so cool and rewarding. And I've realized that I'm, you know, I got soul in me and I've just, I'm singing all these blues and just soulful music. And it's just, it's great. It's great. (laughs) I'm glad I could still, you know, I didn't lose my music. I was really afraid I was going to, um, but I didn't. So
0: I was afraid you were too, like hearing this was going. I'm like, does she she have to leave music because of the bad
1: memories? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, that was really what was centered around, you know, that was like another, Another whole focus was the music Uh, everybody in my family played an instrument and or sang. my mom played bass she's a killer bass player still is like it's pretty cool my dad taught her to play like years ago. Um, uh, My dad played guitar and sang my sister played piano and sang Uh, my brother played oh god I don't know everything (laughs) a steel guitar pedal steel guitar I don't know look it up it's it's awesome pedal steel is a very beautiful instrument. I picked up guitar when I was a teenager. My younger brother plays anything, everything. He's amazing too. And I think he's still, I think he's still in the church. I'm not sure. Uh, I've been a still like estranged from several siblings for, for several years, but several years now. Uh, but I think it's almost time where I think I can start opening back up some of that communication so that's something i'm going to be talking more on my podcast about so yeah you'll want to tune in there to get some more like personal like updates about me involving estrangement but uh yeah so you know i went through a lot of scary stuff um i don't condone taking kids to sunday school i just don't um because that can happen you don't know what happens when you're not in the room with your kid you know it's somewhere else Oh, wow. Uh, You know, uh, things like that. Uh, Sexual harassment. That was like the norm in high school for me, which is stupid. Uh, I couldn't imagine my daughter going through that. Like, but nobody did anything. Uh, I don't know why they, the purity culture was so heavily taught and then, but then, you know, the sexual harassment, they just swept under the rug. You know, that just some huge contradictions in the church and the fact that I was a staff member for years, I saw a lot there too. And which even, you know, pushed me more out of the church, you know, by itself, you know. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's so unfortunate about the purity culture stuff too. It, it They like to claim that this is for everyone to be pure, but it's clear that it's, it's directed at women.
1: Oh, absolutely. 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 Oh my goodness. And even when you're, even after you're married, I thought, okay, anything goes like, we're good. We're married now. We can just enjoy everything. And it's like, no, there was rules in the bedroom too. And there were rules, you know, that were things that were okay for him to do and not okay for me to do and, or somehow like forgiven. And Mm -hmm. it, you know, but if I leave my husband because I'm done with the marriage, I'm a total harlot just for leaving. Yep. You know, it didn't matter whether or not. Yeah. Just that by itself. Didn't matter whether or not there was another man involved. Uh, You know, it just, I was seen as a horrible person. Yep. And like, I took something from him and uh, I was, I didn't realize until after I left my marriage, how much of a, of a possession they treat women in this organization, in these churches, you're a possession, you're you're very, not much more than a slave. Uh, mm. You know, I didn't have a lot of say in where I went, who I was friends with, I didn't have my own bank account. Mm. Uh, my If I was doing work for the check, they were putting it in my husband's name uh you know things like that and just all kinds of crazy stuff oh there's so much more too i can't wait till my book comes out so that you guys can read
0: about it when is your book coming out
1: um it doesn't have a date yet because i'm actually in the middle of writing it um i've been working on it for a couple of years but i had to go through a lot of healing in order to um in order to articulate a lot of these things. And I didn't want to write a book while I was angry, for example. I didn't want to write a book when I was stuck in that grief. I wanted to write a book when I was happy and level. And I felt like I'm at a good place. I feel like I can tell this story uh, in, um, in a way where I'm not so attached to it. Uh, and in a way that I think people can read and understand. And uh, so I'm, I'm literally right in the middle of it. Uh, it's not really chronological. Uh, some of these are kind of categorical stories, I guess. A uh, Little bit of jumping forwards and back sometimes. Um, but I talk a lot about the childhood stuff. I talk a lot about homeschooling in the book. I talk a lot about the sexual harassment, the verbal abuse that we received from pastors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I talk about being thrown in the pool after the youth pastor, finding out that I was on my period, uh, that was common. What? Oh, absolutely. Oh, you want to hear this story? Okay. Yeah. Yes. We're at what? camp. We would go to camp, uh, high school camp for summer camp. And of course, all of us girls would get our period at the same time. Cause we were always seeing each other all the time. And then, you know, everybody over at the pool. And so we're at the pool, but we're not going in, you know. And the youth pastor was like, why don't you guys come swimming? Like, oh, no, you know, we don't want to. And no, you have to. It's like, this is a teen thing. And we're like, well, no, actually, we don't have to. We don't want to. And, you know, eventually somebody was like, I'm on my period. I don't want to. I was too embarrassed to even say that I was on my period. Like, I was so ashamed of like Eve's curse. Like, I wouldn't even talk about it, you know? And so when my youth pastor found out that we were on our periods, he would just throw us in the pool. And so then it was like, yeah. Oh, total (sighs) asshole. Total asshole. He was a total asshole. He really was. He, he was the kind of asshole that would go around in his old classic yet bright yellow, I think Ford or Chevy and get tickets and then tell the youth kids not to do what he was doing. (laughs) Like that was the kind of youth pastor he was. Um, He was just a big giant goofball, Um, would have me go buy like surf wax for him and stuff like that at youth events. And uh yeah, and then throwing us in the pool wow. on a period. Yeah, oh my God, wow. I see the comments in the chat, like, oh my God, Jesus Christ, this yeah. was my uh,
3: normal. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: is- and wow. that's
2: the worst part of it when like that those are the people that are your leaders and they're always treating you that way. It's like you don't even yeah. realize that you're being treated badly.
1: Yeah, you're like, I guess this is the way things are. And then when I got out of that, I was just basically said a big giant, no. And I was like, no, 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 it doesn't have to be like this. And, uh, yeah. So then I met some, some, uh, some friends who were like me, been out of the church for a few years and was talking with them. And they really helped me, um, kind of develop my, you know, my own beliefs. What do I actually believe? They weren't trying to tell me what to believe, um, they weren't trying to pull me out of the faith. Nobody ever did that. Uh, I walked into it myself Well, I was born into it, but I mean, I accepted it myself. I kept it going myself and I ended it myself. And, uh, then after that, they helped me rebuild and, um, yeah. And then now when I talk about some of this stuff, it's like, holy, sh, that was bad, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm so glad that I got my kiss out of that. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, and I was going to ask too, it sounded a little bit like when you were describing this, that some of this deconversion process and even deconstruction that you were going through, you were kind of, it sounded like you were very open and transparent with your kids about all of this as well. Was this yeah. kind of a journey y'all did together?
1: Well, at first it was hard. I tried to keep that from them because I, I was having such, it was such a dramatic mm-hmm. time for me that I, I was trying to keep that from them but then they would see me crying, like, mommy, are you okay? And so they, they ask questions like, ah, you know it's like my kids, they're very intuitive, they're smart. And I kind of had this, I adopted this concept. Well, if they're old enough to ask then they're old enough to know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that's fair. So I started having some, you know transparent conversations with them and where we talked about the spanking and we talked about how I used to yell at them. And we talked about those things and then Throughout that, they ended up disclosing more abuse that they had suffered in the church and uh, at the hands of family members uh, who were in the church. And I could, I was like, gosh, I almost didn't talk to them. I almost didn't tell them this because I, I was trying to protect them. But it's like they've already had stuff happen because of that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when you open up those communications, it leaves room for healing. And, uh, and so, yeah, we bonded over that and talked a lot about that with my kids. Um, I had my two older kids visit me this summer and, uh, we talked a lot about that, mom, how come you don't believe this anymore? And I, you know, I felt like they were ready to hear like the big kid answer, uh, cause it's been a few years now. And so, you know, got to have revisit that conversation with them and, uh, and things like that. So, yeah, it's, um. But yeah, I was going through that (laughs) while I had small children, which was very challenging to, (sighs) you know, have all of your memories start uh, accumulating and start showing up while, you know, and all of a sudden you're like locking yourself in the bathroom because, you know, you're freaking out and you don't want your kids seeing you that way. And, and that was, that was tough to go through, but um, I had support. I had my counselor, uh, I had my support groups, you know, uh, which I, I couldn't have done it without them. I really couldn't have. Uh, that was a time in my life where I realized I was not alone and I did not have to be alone. Um, I could be as alone as I wanted to be. And that was a beautiful thing too. (laughs) And, uh, so yeah, just trying to find balance in my life and replacing all of that icky stuff that I got rid of and just filling it with things that, that bring me joy, my music, uh, my relationships, um, I like to help people. Uh, those are things that bring me joy. I like to talk to people about things like this. I like my podcasting. Uh, I like to write, uh, but I don't have to sit and take that anymore. I don't have to be sexually harassed. I don't have to, you know, it, it's so funny because, you know, in the church, they talk about how, Oh, everybody outside the church, there's something wrong with them. They're mm-hmm. lost or they're evil. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, gosh, I was never sexually harassed or raped or anything like that by anybody outside of the church. Like all that oh shit happened, gosh, like I'm within the church. Yeah. All mm-hmm. of the abuse, all the mean people, all the bullies, all those people were in the church. And uh, so normal relationships for me are, are very strange. <laughs> I'm not used to uh, normal relationships, which is something that I think is going to be a continuous you know, I don't. I wouldn't want to say struggle, but challenge. You know, for me, because uh, after having you know growing up in toxic relationships, it's very easy to get into those again uh, once you're out of them. Because toxicity isn't something that you see right away, um, but it's something that can harm you over time. Mm-hmm. And so, when I had stepped out of that, I had to take a time of detox. Where that's why I wasn't talking to anyone. That's why I wasn't going to church. That's why. I was kind of isolated because I needed to get all of that out of my system um, in order to make room for all of those things that are good for me.
0: Alexis, thank you so much for You're sharing welcome. your story with us. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, before we kind of move on to the Q&A, um, what are some of like, you know, I've been deconstructing over the last 10 years of growing up religious. What do you think are some things I could have uh, done to help identify uh, these these uh, being fundamentalist or being raised in a fundamentalist family and identify some of the negative things that uh, um,
1: hmm. impact
0: me for a long-term? What, what...
1: Well, I don't know. I guess when you take Christianity and you divide it uh, into seven days of the week, I guess it's all kind of a bit extreme uh, just depends on, uh, you know, what your dosage was like. Uh, but I mean, in terms of whether or not you're fundamental, I, I honestly, I don't really think it, it really matters whether you were fundamental or not, because like what I was saying was the trauma and all that stuff is kind of the same, no matter what group you were in. But I guess the difference would be most of my friends went to church on Sundays and I was at church all the time. I worked at church Uh, I slept at church because church was at home too, you know, and I remember waking up in the morning, hearing my mom and my dad saying morning prayers before he went to work. And then it was morning prayers after breakfast. And then it was Bible study time. And then it was, uh, you know, it just, it, it was, it was all the time. And there were all these rules, even rules that weren't really written. And if you broke one of them, you know, you were, you know, and big trouble. And you had to basically do penance, even though I wasn't Catholic, I still had to undo and cleanse myself. I had to anoint my bed with oil and my room with oil and myself with oil every night because uh, I had that spirit of suicide on me that my mother uh, thought that I had. Um, things like that I, I laid with the Bible across my chest, uh, listening to the psalms on cassette tape and the salty, interesting the, the psalms <laughs> <No. Salty. laughs> that when I was little, yeah, when I was little it was salty the singing songbook it was and it was Colby the computer and yeah all that charity church. Mouse. oh my god, yeah, charity church house holy sh- uh, nanny bird. Uh, anyway <laughs> um but yeah, I was listening to the psalms and I don't know. Y'all know how, you know, the Psalms goes basically like a bipolar expression. (laughs) I don't know. Some of it's really nice, but there's like a lot of Psalms that are very um, all about like cursing. Uh, So it's like, and I was listening to those because my mother said that this was going to cure my nightmares, (laughs) And uh, there's, I don't know how many Psalms in the Bible that are just all about cursing. And so I'm like listening to them at night. These were my bedtime stories. You listen
0: to the Bible when going to sleep. Yes.
1: Yep. Because I had terrible nightmares and my mom said, that's what I should do to help with my nightmares. I just needed to pray more. I had to have the Bible open across my chest. I had to say special prayers. She even got special prayer cloths from Robert Tilton off television. Oh no. (laughs) No. (laughs) guys' facial reactions. It's great. No. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, it was very extreme. It was like, Almost kind of like witchcrafty because it was like all these little charms and things like that. that were like, course, from the Holy Land. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh
3: yeah.
1: Oh God, and a huge massive glow in the dark cross, you know, just in case I got scared of the dark. <laughs> yeah, that'll
2: help you listening know? to the Old Testament. So you don't get Oh yeah,
1: listen to the one. Old Testament. Yeah, and listen <laughs> to the Psalms because, you know, listening to like chapters and chapters of like depression and cursing that will just scare it every single time. Oh, I can't believe I did that! And no, it was making it worse. I, you know, was it was awful. It was just more indoctrination and more abuse and more just negativity and just. You
0: had fewer (laughs) nightmares had you listened to Harry Potter or heck, even Game of
1: Thrones.
3: (laughs) Oh my gosh! And
1: I love that stuff now. I love it. Star (laughs) Trek is my favorite thing. Star Trek. I love the Harry Potter stuff. Uh, It's great. Somebody say (laughs) (laughs) PBSKids.org. yeah um yeah i love all that uh but yeah it was heavy heavy stuff it was just constant i was constantly thinking about what spirit uh the spirit realm and 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 stuff like that um blame it on spirits something happened it was a spirit you know yeah well, and it's so out of your control and, and so
2: yeah. vague, you know. It's it's something that, you know, if you're frightened, you know, telling kids like, well, maybe this spirit thing is here, maybe it isn't. I mean, that's not very reassuring.
1: Yeah. And it's like arguing with the pastor isn't something that people like. You can't, you know, have this pastor, you have the spirit of this. Like, Actually, no, I don't. Yeah. You know, and you know, and they'd be like, well, I'm the pastor. It's like, well, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> it's like, you could be so, you know, it's like, now it's like, if I were in that situation, it'd be, it'd be kind of funny and kind of fun to see what would happen. But, yes. uh, but back then it's like, yeah, you know, if the pastor said you had a demon, you had a demon and, you know, you yeah. sat there until ten, you know everybody got tired and gave up, you know. <laughs> um, oh, I remember somebody at camp tried to, uh, there was this girl, she was born without, without an arm. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, during prayer meeting one afternoon, um, they just pulled her in the middle. We want to pray for you. And she's like, oh, okay. Um, they literally tried to pray uh, another arm for her to grow out of her body. And I saw this poor girl sitting there thinking, God, it's probably taken her so long to just like be okay with herself. Like the way that she is, in you know, fact, she's different. And she sat there and I just, the look on her face was so incredibly sad. And I just, oh. I was so pissed off. And that happened to me. I saw that when I was about 19 years old. And I, that was one of the times when I was like, this is such bullshit. I was like, that is horrific. And there wasn't anything I could do. Yeah. What was I supposed to say? And I was still in it, still then, you know, just I was like, this is dumb. I was like, God made her this way. Like, if God made her, like, leave her alone. Like, you're singling her out and just she was just so sad and like, oh God, I guess there is something wrong with me. It's like, wow. who does that to a kid? She was, she couldn't have been more than 16 years old. Wow. Um,
2: what a great time to have that was people messed call messed <laughs> to you in front of all of your peers and say, what's wrong with your body?
1: Like, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: You started wow. the story and I knew where it was going and I just was cringing inside. I'm like, oh my God, I could totally see that happening at a church camp.
1: Yeah. And, mm-hmm. This uh, is oh. like awful. Just, yeah. I mean, I would just, yeah. After I left the church, if anybody came over to my house, like a family member or something, or somebody in the church, I just, I started to get really sick, like really ill. Mm -hmm. And it took years to put it together. It's actually my ex-husband, he's like, you know, you only get like this when you're around these people. (laughs) I'm like, oh, thank you for, you know, letting me know that that's a good sign that we, you know, now I can (laughs) make some changes where, you know, where they need to be made. Uh, So yeah, just, uh, it's disgusting.
0: Yeah. One last thing before we go on to the Q and a, dealing with estranged relationships, you shared a little bit about your own experiences and what, what do you, what are some tips you can provide for some of us who are about to, or going okay. through? Yeah.
1: Well, what I can say is I guess, um, some of these might sound sound like, uh, memos of warning, uh, but really it's kind of a process. It's a, it's a cycle, I guess, if you will uh, not a cycle, but um, when you first leave or you first are estranged or the communications being cut off um, depending on whose perspective, you know, in the relations, basically, I estranged myself, but I didn't, I, I only did that because I felt like it was my last resort uh, because my family, they weren't really listening to me. I couldn't really have a conversation about anything. I couldn't say, you know what, I this is inappropriate. Please don't do this around my children, or you know things like that. They just they wouldn't listen, and uh, they disrespected every single boundary I had. And so I, I felt like that was the only thing left to do in order to keep myself safe and healthy, and my kids safe and healthy, was to cut it off. Uh, I went through a, a long period of grief because. Uh, I was sad. I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want to separate myself from my family. That's the most unnatural thing, uh, Mm -hmm. to be separated from the people that you were, you know, spent your life with and you were born into. And, uh, so there was a lot, a lot, a lot of grief, but I journaled through that. I talked with that. I found support groups. They helped me get through that. They helped make sure that I didn't get too far deep into my own head. Uh, So get support. We have Mm -hmm. support groups that we can direct you to, whether you're an estranged adult child, whether you're an estranged sibling, whether you're an estranged parent, there's all kinds of support groups out there that I personally know of. And I know the directors of these groups that I can plug you into if you need those. Um, but another thing is like, you're going to go through a time where there might be some pushback from some family members, some flying monkeys who might want to try to coerce you to come back, whether it's to the church or toxic, abusive relationships, like fly, you call them flying monkeys. That's what you it. call them. Um, yeah, for example, when I left the church as an adult, I had people who I hadn't seen since I was seven years old, calling me, messaging me on Facebook, they'd found me, um, And I hadn't seen them since I was seven telling me that I had to go back with my parents. Don't you know what you're doing? You have no idea how you're hurting your family. And I'm thinking, Mm. you don't really know me (laughs) and you weren't, you didn't grow up in my house. So I don't really think you have anything to say about it. Uh, So we had a lot of that, a lot of shaming going on. You just have to be prepared. You have to have a support group. You're gonna, you're gonna feel very alone. You're not gonna know what to do around holidays. Uh, That's always kind of weird. Uh, my boyfriend's mom, she's like, she's about to ask, where's your mom? What are you doing for the holidays? It's like, Ooh, we got to have a cup of coffee, (laughs) you know, let's do that. So, uh, you know, a lot of changes, a lot of emotions. um, But I would say, do what's best for you. If something doesn't feel good, get rid of it, steer clear of it. Something's telling you something. Don't uh, ignore your feelings. They're there to keep you safe. They're there to tell you things and to help you put things together. Sometimes you may not understand what feelings that you're having. Write about it. Talk to a counselor. If you don't like the idea of counseling, find a friend, find an app, just do some sort of documentation um, on your feelings. And I would say even date them because if you date that stuff and you go back and you're like, oh gosh, I was going through that at that time. That makes sense. And, you know, just kind of, uh, holding yourself accountable, but, you know, also spend time with other people and doing new things and surrounding yourself with people who make you feel good. And not just the people who love bomb you and want to stroke your ego, but the people who are going to call you out on your bullshit too, and, uh, will help you keep your head on straight. And, uh, you need those people in your life. And it may take a few tries, a few practices, in you know, to find those good relationships, especially if you are like me, where basically every relationship you ever had was toxic up until the present. Time of your life, uh, so get support. Uh, talk about it. There's the podcast, and more people are podcasting about this topic. When I started this podcast, nobody was talking about estrangement at all, uh, without a paid subscription. And so uh, I started doing it for free, and now more and more people are are doing that and talking about it. And so that's great. Um, but yeah, just get some support for yourself. There's books out there visit the website. Uh, there's uh, lots of resources within each episode's show notes uh, about more estrangement resources and uh, resources for people suffered long-term trauma, things like that. So yeah, definitely check out the show when the bout breaks podcast. So what's yeah, the website yeah. again? WTBBpod.com. And then you can also go to our mother site which is kingfishermedia.ca, Kingfisher with a C, -C F-I-S-C-H-E-R. And uh, Kingfisher Media, that's where all of our other shows are at too. Uh, We've got some other goodies in there too for you.
2: Fantastic. Thank you for sharing all that, Alexis. That is such a wonderful... Just a bit of advice, and then all of those resources that you've developed sound wonderful for people that are going through all of those things, which it sounds like a lot of people in the chat are relating to that as well so thank you so much for sharing your experiences and how you've worked through that um and we do also have some questions from the chat as well if you're ready to transition into some of that
1: this is what i was looking forward to the most this is like i'm so excited
2: (laughs) (laughs) excellent great we have so many and also i don't know um how long you're available but uh sometimes our guests will stick around for the uh the hangout afterwards to continue to talk and chat if you Want to oh, do I'd that. love to. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, great so we have a few questions here, you know, several people were wondering, and I don't know if this is going to be a spoiler for the book or not, if you want to talk about it. Um, but some people were wondering about, um, how have you been managing your relationship with your parents more recently? And has there been any mm. reconciliation with any of your other family members?
1: Yeah, that's funny that you should say, I definitely won't spoil too much because we're about to release an episode, uh, an update episode about that actually. Uh, but my relationship with my parents right now is kind of, it's very minimal, but it does exist. Uh, I recently, the last time I saw them, I actually went to visit them, uh, Memorial day weekend. Actually, they still had my old 1989 red Ford probe that I bought when I was 19 years old and they still had it. And I was like, Oh yeah. Cause I was kind of at a point in my life where I was like, I think I might need my car back. So I drove down there is about a three hour drive from where uh, I live now. I'm in Bellingham, uh, Bellingham, Washington, and uh, my parents are in kind of like the Seattle Tacoma area. So we drove down there, uh, my boyfriend and I, and then went to pick up the car and we visited with them and uh, had lunch with them. And it was, it was definitely interesting. Uh, based on that visit, uh, my boyfriend did notice they talked over me uh, quite a bit during our conversation. There was a lot of things that just went whoop, over their head that they didn't even acknowledge, uh, completely ignored. So that was kind of interesting. But it was mostly, it was pretty much civil. Um, it was okay. And I, I, I chat with my mother in chat uh, occasionally on Facebook messenger, but if things get a little bit too hairy, I just put her in the ignore box. And when I'm ready to talk to my mom, then I open it up and I see what she's written. Um, because she only used to speak Trump to me. (laughs) It used to just be like Trump links. And that was all she would say. And I was like, I, this isn't really something I want to talk about. <laughs> it's like, we got to find something else we could talk about. You know, it's like, let's not talk about Trump. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've been having to kind of work on that, uh, you know, finding things in common and setting boundaries uh, and stuff like that. Uh, and then, you know, my dad, you know, he's just pretty much the same. He's always been, it's like, I can always talk to my dad, but at the same time, you know, he's with my mom and they won't have a private like, I can't have a private conversation with my dad for some reason. So that's kind of a weird thing. Uh, but yeah, I will talk more about that on, on my podcast. So it does exist. Uh, and I think my dad follows my, uh, my podcast page, uh, my mom doesn't too much because I think it bothers her, which is understandable. This is tough yeah. stuff to hear, um, especially when you don't agree with the person's perspective. Uh, but it's like, you know, a lot of this stuff happened when my mom wasn't around. So, you know, it's, yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's it's okay. I feel like um, it's not like they're totally gone and non-existent and it's, it's not just grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's just like, okay, we're, we're finding kind of a common ground and I think we're going to be okay, no matter what I believe or they believe. And, uh, that's, what's most important to me is looking past what people believe and just focusing on how we love each other and treat each other and help each other and respect each other and uh but again you know it's hard for some christians to do <laughs>
2: right right yeah it's like they feel like they're not doing their job if they're not trying to convert yeah, that's, yeah 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 that's tough
1: yeah. and we'll, got we'll got look another... forward to
2: hear more in the in your next uh, show
1: absolutely
0: yeah. we got another question um uh, a lot of folks are uh asking about your ex-husband if he's still religious and if that's the case What has it been like co-parenting in that kind of situation?
1: You know what? I, you know, I think this is a question that I think he would prefer to answer, but I think if I'm going to go off based off of what I feel is the most comfortable answer, I feel like he's kind of involved in the church, uh, but our children do not attend. They don't want to, and he doesn't make them go. Uh, We won't do that. To our kids. Um, he definitely is not for the abuse and all of that stuff that I grew. He didn't grow up quite in a severe environment mm. as I did, but we still both were part of the same religion. So there's still a lot of, there was a lot of toxicity in our marriage because of Christianity. And um, there were things that, you know, that he apologized to me years later, you know, for things that we had done because that's what we thought you know, Christians were supposed to do. And so, you know, there was a lot of things that were kind of settled after our marriage. Uh, But I I wouldn't say, I I know that he goes to worship practice and he still plays music on the worship team regularly. Uh, But I don't think he's involved, uh, not nearly as heavily as we were (laughs) several years ago, for sure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's the best answer. I I think I, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So I think he's kind of still kind of halfway in, you know, but, um, I think it's more about the socialization for him and the community. And also just cause he grew up in it. I think it's just, what's comfortable for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So switching gears a little bit, some people were also wondering about, um, during your homeschooling experience, what kind mm. of materials did y'all use? Like, was it Bill Gothard?
1: Oh my god!
2: What was okay?
1: This, uh, well, I had a bit of an eclectic collection. Uh, we did some Bob Jones. Oh yeah. We did the ACE Life Packs. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the Quiverful movement. A lot of our curriculum was kind of centered around that, uh, having as many children as God would give you things like that. Uh, I went on to have four before I lost my uterus. (laughs) Who knows when I would have stopped. Um, yeah. So that was what I had planned to do was have a bunch of babies, uh, because I felt like that's what I was supposed to do. Uh, so we had that curriculum, it's Bob Jones, ACE life packs. Yeah. Oh my God. Let me ask you, <laughs>
0: Like what, what was it like to think that it was, you were here just to be a baby factory.
1: Oh God. It's a mixed bag because I really did want to have kids and I really did want to be a mom, but I didn't only want to have kids and I didn't only want to be a mom. And I felt like I couldn't do video editing. Like I remember I wanted to go into video production in high school. I told my mom about it. And there's no money in that. And like you have to go to, you know, you have to do this. And that's not, you know, you're gonna, you know, get married and have babies, right? Isn't that what you want? Like well, yeah, but it's like, I didn't know. I I thought I had to just choose one. I didn't know I could just do whatever the fuck I wanted. I had no idea that I could do that. And I still have that mindset where I know I can't do that. You know, and my boyfriend or my friend will be like, why, why not? You know, why can't you do that? It's like, do what you want to do. It's like, Hmm. I can, I can totally do that. I can, And I don't have to do this. And it's not like a big deal because I'm female. It's like, I'm a fucking human and I'm doing this for myself because I can, because I want to, because it's good for me. And uh, so that's kind of like, I don't know what's kind of going on in my head. (laughs) That's still an ongoing, you know, progression, I think.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's, uh, that's so interesting. The way you put that too, just like you realize so many things that you just had been told for no reason just couldn't be a part
1: of your life yeah it's like why can't i wear spaghetti straps why do i have to wear dresses why uh why do i have to go to mops it's like why it's like i want to go do something fun like why you know why is it all about uh you know just domestic stuff but alexis and, you yeah. always
0: have to be pregnant you always <laughs> have <to be>
1: pregnant. <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah <laughs> Yeah. It's like, if I wasn't, yeah. And I, I struggled with that. Um, I had endometriosis and I struggled with, uh, having my uterus removed because I was like, gosh, I felt like I was taking away what God had given me. And you know, the vessel that I had that was sacred and I was interfering with that. And then, oh shoot, that's like birth control. Oh no, you're the one deciding how many kids you're going to have. You're supposed to leave that up to God. And, uh, but I was very sick. I was in pain constantly. I, uh, I was super duper sick when I was pregnant. I had no business being pregnant. I almost lost every single one of my pregnancies, including the last two, they were twins. I was in the hospital probably 50% of the time, uh, on constant IV hydration. And yeah, I, I, I felt, and I felt terrible for even considering an abortion because I was so, so sick, and I was so scared that I was going to die, and then my other children were going to lose their mother. And so I was inter, you know, dealing with these things in my head just a few years ago, just like ten years ago. And uh, and so I've had to kind of uh, uh, take hold of my right to my body. And be like, you know, I got to make these choices for me, I can't feel obligated to please somebody else. You know, it's not about you. It's like, I'm responsible for this here, you know, and for my kids until they're grown, I'm responsible to them. And uh it's not my responsibility to fulfill someone else's wishes or dreams about all mm.
0: these children. Oh, it's beautiful. I love it. But uh know.
1: yeah, now I can give all of my attention to, you know, the four that I've got and you know, which is already a challenge, uh doing yes. that, especially when you know you've got two kids with their dad and two kids with their mom and you're mixing and stuff like that. It's a big challenge, but uh but we're doing it. So yeah. <laughs> making it work. <laughs>
0: Alexis, thank you so, so much for being honest and vulnerable and sharing your tough story with us. This was fantastic. I, I really got a lot out of it and um, it really Great. helped me kind of uh, look back at my own past and what I went through as well and reevaluate it. So thank you so much for sh- sharing your story with us.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's It's been really cool. Thank you so much, everybody. Hey, everybody in the chats, everybody. Thank you so much. <laughs>
0: Recovering from Religion is a non-profit organization whose mission it is to provide hope, healing, and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. Hope, Healing, and Support is waiting for you on our website, recoveringfromreligion.org. There you can speak or chat with a trained agent who will work with you through your struggles and doubts or to help find resources that may work for you. You can also find local Recovering from Religion support groups in your area for the long-term recovery work. Resources specifically curated for those struggling with doubts, disbelief, and trauma can also be found on the RFR website. To connect with a secular therapist in your area, go to seculartherapy.org and create an account. If you'd like to support the work that RFR does, you can donate or sign up as a volunteer on the Recovering From Religion website. It's also a big help subscribing to the RFR YouTube channel, our blog, or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be emailed to us at rfrx at recoveringfromreligion.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll be with us next time on the Recovering From Religion podcast.